0: This is On The Grid on MyPodcastHouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on MyPodcastHouse.com. Of course, On The Grid powered by the racetalk.com, in our brand new partnership with a motor racing uh, website that is extremely exciting. Check it out, TheRacetalk.com. Com. got a big show coming up Mark Brax is going to preview the World Superbikes down at Phillip Island this weekend, look forward to that we're also going to catch up with a couple of big name drivers Scott McLaughlin will talk to us Jamie Winkup talks to us Anton Di Pasquale is there uh, Andre Heimgartner as well, we'll chat to him and uh, well, maybe who knows who else might turn up on the show also, so a big show to come let's get straight into it and have a look at this weekend's World Superbikes I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Alright, as we do all the time, catching up, talking about two-wheel stuff, Mark Brax joins us on the line. Good morning, Braxy!
1: G'day Tony, how are you?
0: Mate, I'm fantastic. A massive weekend coming up for uh, the two-wheeled variety of motorsport because it's the start of the World Superbike season this weekend yep. and also the Aussie Superbikes as well.
1: Yeah, mate. Um, the waving is over. Basically, it finishes today because it's the final test of the uh, World Superbikes. Uh, they're all coming out for their traditional... Uh, pre-season test here at Phillip Island Monday and Tuesday before the event actually starts per, per se properly on uh, Friday with their first practice for the year. But they're uh, going to be well another you know, I suppose the intriguing season in a way um, Shebex is in fact the intrigue is can anybody stop Johnny Ray from marching to a fifth straight world championship. Um, the guy's in a league of his own and I don't mean that derogatory to all the other riders because they're all out there putting it on the line every time they go out. But no matter what they come up with, they've tried changing the rules to limit uh, webs and all this type of thing. But mate, the, the green, meanie Kawasaki and Johnny Ray just keeps coming to the fore again. So, it be interesting to see. He's um, dominated all the uh, off-season testing at Areth and Valencia and at uh, Aragon as well. Sorry, not Aragon. Uh, Portimao as well. Um, Alex Lowe's on the Paddy Yamaha has been giving him a bit of a hurry up. But, uh, you know, when it looks at the race pace and just the the general way he goes about things, it's going to take a big effort for anybody to take that number one plate off him.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And he's going for five in a row, Jonathan Ray, which is an amazing effort. Uh, I, I presume he would have been a regular down at Phillip Island again this summer, Braxy.
1: No, um, he is. Uh, for people who don't know, he did marry a, a local girl from Newtush, Um But unfortunately now for him, as he said to me on Saturday, they had a book signing down here for him for his autobiography that's just been released. Um, now that his eldest son's in school, they don't have the, um, well, the luxury or the benefits of being up oh, okay. to gallivant around the world all the time. And uh, as anybody knows about kids, they always come first, especially when it's in those first formative years of uh, getting them in front of the, uh, the school blackboard, so to speak. Do they still use blackboards at school anymore? Um, that's a question. But, yeah, he's uh, departing on these fine shores very soon after the finish of the uh, the weekend and heading back to Northern Ireland. Uh, he was living in uh, the Isle of Man in that t- Haven, but uh, in recent times, moved to the island, Man, uh, sorry, the North, back to Northern Ireland for the, uh, the sake of his kids being educated in the Northern Irish system, I suppose. So I'm um, very, very loyal. But um, yeah, it's um, going to be strange to see him uh, disappear so soon because normally he stays in and does a bit of push bike training and all the rest of it. But uh, family duties, and I suppose we'll go home with another couple of race wins under his belt and a pole position. And I can't. Um, Mentioned uh, without mentioning the fact that this weekend uh, it's only bit of uh, another, what would you call, innovation in the uh, program of the Superbike World Championship, where they're having a three-race format. Mm. For many years, from the time of its inception in 1988, there was two races, predominantly on the the Sunday for the Superbikes. In uh, the last, what is it, last three years, they've had a race on the Saturday, split them up. Uh, which is well and good, I suppose, for people that can, can, that can attend both meetings, uh, both days of the meeting. But they're bringing in a third race for Sunday afternoon, a ten Sunday morning, pardon me, a ten-lap sprint race, which will actually determine the top 10, top nine grid positions for the the race on Sunday afternoon, the traditional 22-lapper. So, half points. Um, I spoke to Johnny Ray on. Uh, Saturday, when he was signing a book for me and just asking about the new format, and he's not real keen on it, but uh, he said it's only worth half points. I said, Well, basically, you've got to give it the uh, fans of the most important thing, and if you can get them entertained. Um, You know, it's all well and good for the championship because it's been overshadowed in recent years by the uh, enthralling nature of MotoGP, I suppose. I wonder whether,
0: uh, as we know, Dorna run World Superbikes as well as MotoGP. I wonder whether this is a forerunner for Dorna to possibly look at expanding the MotoGP format down the track.
1: Well, there has been talk of it for a couple of, well, a few years now that they'll try and make it a bit more of a a fan-friendly exercise They have more races. But then the argument for the MotoGP is the fact that, well, from the teams' and riders' perspective, it's, it's that expensive um, with the bikes and, you know, the, the wear life and they've got all their engines locked up for a certain yeah. time. They don't basically revamp the entire rules of MotoGP. Yeah. And, uh, Others have said, well, why don't you just make it longer races like you get back to um, the old days? But people know that longer races um, can settle into a bit of a a procession. As we've seen in recent times with the guys with tyre wear, saving their tyres, it gets into a bit of a, a, what would you call, a lull between the the middle and the two-thirds of the race distance. And then with a third of a race to go, they go, well, bugger this, I've got to make a move. So... Um, whether they do it just on the expense because a prototype category versus a Superbike World Championship, which is all production-based, you can – well, I know you'll have a bit of a grin when I say this, but you can actually walk into a showroom buy a bike and go World Superbike Ration. If you've got another 100 grand to, step into it, to turn it into a superbike, But that is the philosophy and the mindset that it is a production based series. And I couldn't see it going to Mode GP. Oh, mate, mate, you and me, I love it. it Give us three or four races a weekend. Yeah. But, but no stress for us, it's more entertainment. But I can't see that in uh, Moto GP in, in the near future, anyway
0: i tell you what I do love about uh, production bike racing. As you said, you can just go out in the street and buy one, providing you've got the money to buy a, a similar sort of thing. But also the fact that you, you see bikes on the road and they look very much like the production bike setup. But I'll tell you what, a couple of uh, teams have just launched, launched their new liveries for 2019, and there's some amazing-looking bikes. The Kawasaki's, again, have come up great. But I think the one that was launched last night, the Honda team, the uh, Moriwaki Althea Honda team, uh, just amazing colours on that bike
1: stunning actually. It was the uh, traditional colours of uh, Moawaki uh, which is uh, blue and yellow and Moawaki has been in association with uh Honda for a number of years with their Super Suzuka 8-hour races, Japanese Championships and World Endurance Championships. Plus, it's got the red in there from HRC and a couple of other sponsors, Altia, the Italian company that's got uh, World Championship success with Supersport and World Superbike. And one namely, uh, I think, what was his name, that old bloke, Troy Bayless? Yeah. Took him to a championship many years ago, and now they've uh, combined with... um, Colin Edwards too, didn't he? With with Honda, yeah, Colin Edwards was another one, yep. Um, and Honda have come back with this HRC coming back into the fold of World Superbike racing for the first time since 2002. So, and that was when Colin Edwards last won their championship. And uh, it's been a while between drinks by Honda. Their last race win was back in 2016 at Sepang, ironically with the late great Nicky Hayden who took that race win for Honda. Um, now they've got the, the factory behind them. Leon Kamiya and uh, Yuichi Kianari, the All Japan and British Superbike multiple champion, as uh, the pilots on board. And talking to Leon yesterday at the launch, I said, well, what's the difference? Can you quantify the difference between this bike you're riding now and the Honda you've stepped off last year at the end of the Superbike World Championship? And he said, the only thing the same on this is the badge. Uh, Really, that difference. He said, mate, it is so different. I said, well, can you tell me, you know, the sharpness is... And he said, mate, I can't really quantify it. He said, just everything is so different. He said, it's just like riding another bike. And given until probably halfway through the year to get up to speed, they've got a lot of catching up to do. And the Honda hasn't been the most successful bike on the World superbike grid for a number of years. I think it's going to be a bit of work for them. But, mate, as everybody was, um, you know, whispering to each other at the um, press launch yesterday, if HRC are involved, beware. That's... uh, when they set their mind to something you know as well as i do mm. with cars and bikes when honda put their mind to something and want to improve the beast they will improve the beast in a very short time they have their the two head gangers of honda racing corporation down here especially for the launch they're down here to look at the test and they'll disappear back to japan they're not even hanging around to uh, to the um to watch the race they're just taking all the information from the test to, to go back and uh, try and improve this machine. and um, They've had a couple of private tests away from the eye, the in eyes of the World Superbike Paddock. So today, in about 15 minutes' time at 9 o'clock, is the first time that uh, the, um, they'll be out on track with the rest of their rivals for the year. So they'll get an idea of where they stand in the pecking order. But, you know, um, they've had a couple of fourth positions, thinking Aidan finished fourth in 2006. Uh, uh, 2016, pardon me. Uh, Leon Kamiak was a top five finisher last year, so not beyond the rims of possibility they could jump back on the podium at this uh, the new look, um, uh, Morawaki, Altea, Honda team. And uh, looking forward to a bit more spice in the mix. We all need a little bit more. Another ingredient in the recipe never goes astray. Uh,
0: no doubt about that, Braxi. Uh, it's highly unusual, isn't it, that a venue hosts the final round of testing and then three ladies later... They go racing on that venue. I don't actually think it happens in anywhere else in, in any of the major racing categories, whether it be two-wheel or four-wheel. It, it's a, a massive advantage for the riders, I would have thought, in the teams to be able to get so much extra data in these two days and then effectively be able to utilise that data and help them try and get a race win a couple of days later.
1: Yeah, exactly right. It is... Uh pretty unique that the uh, Moto GP does a similar thing in Qatar, but that's basically the night test so they can get their eyes attuned to the yep. conditions of the, the next week. Um, but the Superbike thing, it is, it's, uh, and I think it's a good excuse for them to come down and kick their heels up and get away from that brutal northern hemisphere wintertime too. Oh, yeah. they've, been coming, they've been coming down here now for the test, I think this is going into a sixth or seventh year, that the um, pre-season test does end uh, with a couple of days off before I come back uh, with all the armour ready for the championship to start. But its it gives them a bit of data for here, particularly with the Pirelli tyres, because every year, uh, Giorgio Barbieri, the head of the uh, Pirelli Racing Concern, they as he says, we have new solutions. They're not um, compounds, they're always solutions that he brings out. So... I'll be nutting him out today, but they'll probably bring out three solutions for the rear and two solutions for the front, all brand-new tyres that they haven't used before, which all their testing they done at Hareds, Valencia, and Porto now in the off-season probably goes straight out the window, as we've seen mm-hmm. from the Australian Superbike testing, which we'll get onto very shortly. Yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, going to be an interesting time ahead for this, uh, this week to we'll see what happens. And what happens in testing doesn't norm- normally... Uh, translate to what happens on the race. But I bet your bottom dollar that there's one JR that's still at the top (laughs) of the timesheet. come tomorrow afternoon.
0: It's amazing just how much of the Superbike circuit, the World Superbike circuit, Phillip Island, has become. It's actually the circuit with the most World Superbike races run 55 races since 1990, which is an an amazing stat. You would have thought that some of those more European-type tracks would have had more of a record, but Phillip Island, number one
1: number one yeah and I suppose that uh, reflects the nature of this track it's a, a circuit that everybody absolutely loves I think that's going a bit easy on it it is the best four 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 and a half kilometres of bitumen anywhere in the world you've just got to ask the riders that to see what they reckon and uh, yeah it's been coming down here so the season started the championship started in 1988 the first race was at Donington Park but um, mainly because a lot of the tracks had changed in the contracts but the, the the relationship between Dorna, uh, Philip Island organisation, and the Victorian government, for that matter, is pretty unique. And, it is, uh, isn't it? They've signed up at least till 2027 to uh, host a round of the World Superbikes and the Grand Prix. So... It looks like it's here for a long time, and uh, as I said, you know the, the people at Phillip Island have got a good relationship with the people at Dorna, so I can't see that happening for so long. But uh, and as they always say, it's the best track in the world, the best venue that they come to, and uh, I can't see it changing anytime soon.
0: Alvaro Bautista steps into the uh, FIM Superbike World Championship, and do we? Think Braxton that he is the one that's going to take it all the way up to Johnny Ray, of course, a former one-two-five world champion back in two thousand and six, been in MotoGP for a damn long time. Is he the one that's going to step off and say, righto, mate, let's go"? Um, well,
1: he's given it a good shake in early season, uh, the off-season testing, I tell you, and. Uh, after watching him up close, and I was, at, you know, I was at the coalface way back there in 2006, 2007, when he was uh, in the 125s, and he moved on to the Moto2 for a while, and then up to um, the G P In recent years, he started with Suzuki. About, uh, oh, that's come back in 2010, I think he started with Moto Um, He's been knocking on the door, and a lot of people was criticising him, and oh, he's, you know, he's lost it. But this year, or last year pardon me, when he was on that satellite Ducati, and even before his contract was under under threat, you could see that he was uh, he'd lured the ropes of the EDA you know, sequences of what a mate GP bike is all about. And he was putting that... Uh, biking positions in front of some of the factory boys at times. So if anyone's going to do it that's come across from MotoGP doesn't get the reverse, as we've seen Max Biaggi and Carlos Checker do, that have come along and won World Championships in the Superbike World Championship. Um, okay, they had uh, a pretty good pedigree behind them. Uh, well, Biaggi did. Carlos Checker didn't have the best win average, I suppose you could call it. But they've come across and set the world on fire. And I think Alvaro Bantista has got the talent and the goods and the team behind him, more importantly, to do it now that he's on that factory Ducati thing with that new-look bike. So um, don't discount him. And I think even though Johnny Ray will be looking over his shoulder, he might be um, rubbing his hands together to think, well, maybe I've got some good competition that's going to last the entire season with me. So... Um, and that raises the point of what this new V4 G Caddy is going to be like when they um, unveil it in the flesh today and put it on the racetrack in all its race trim for this weekend, if that's um, up to the speed with it as well. Hey, uh,
0: Braxy, uh, this is, might sound like a stupid question, but it's actually serious for me. How much does Batista have to dumb down his knowledge of a bike jumping off a MotoGP bike onto a production bike? Um, Does it change probably, that much in, in his in the way he thinks about the way he rides and he handles the bike?
1: Yeah, well, it's coming back to his right wrist in a lot of way. Um, even though they've got the electronics and the cutouts on these um, <clears throat> super bikes, there is a certain amount of electronics. But probably, I'd say thirty to forty percent of what's on a Moto GP bike, they've got. You know, they've got all the um, gyroscopes and everything for. Launch control, throttle control—it's it's all there, but it's dumbed down a lot. So a and lot of I it think, comes
0: back to his riding style now—not so much what the bike does for him, but what he does for the bike.
1: Yeah, and the other—the other difference is that he'll be telling the team what he wants in the bike instead of a lot of team a lot of time in MotoGP. The rider will tell him this, and I want that, and I go, well, hang on, we've looked at the data, and we think <laughs> yeah. he should be doing this. Yeah. So I think it gives it gives him a bit more um, authority to say, no, I want it this way. Yeah,
0: okay. And,
1: and the, because it's a production-based machine, they, they move or they twist, they flex a lot more than the rigidity of a MotoGP bike. And that's going to be the thing that he's going to have to learn to start um, trusting the thing to be moving around a lot, even though... Though MotoGP bikes do move around a bit, they're that precise. They seem to stick where they want, and with the electronics, they seem to guide it to where it's meant to be on the track, so to speak, putting a loose term on it. But I think um, Alvaro is he's, um, he's going to be quite good. It's his size, I think, could be the the biggest thing because um, we saw last year Marco Melandri is uh, knee eye of a, mm. um, a foot peg most of the time. On that G caddy, he won both races at Philadelphia last year, so taking nothing away from his talent. But that thing was tying itself in knots when he had it on full noise. It was just slapping the bars from his hands. Um, and that's to get the balance right of the machine that uh, Alvaro can do it. And that's the other thing. He's got to play all his catch-up. And whereas Johnny Ray's been on this similar machine for the last four years, it's going to be jumping on back on with an old friend. Um, that's big. Alvaro's biggest problem is just getting to the grips of a new bike and getting the consistency. Okay, it's all right to do one quick lap, but now you've got to do 22 of them in a row, especially on Philip Island.
0: Yeah, you certainly do. It's going to be. But, a, but, sorry, back again.
1: His, his biggest advantage is that he was only here in October. Yes, correct. Have even remembers at the end of May, and he did pretty well. Actually, what did he, I think he finished fourth or fifth? I at was going to say fourth. Yeah, yeah. So, um, mate, if he takes a win, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes one this weekend.
0: And Braxy of course, we should talk about the Aussies also that are racing this weekend in the big categories.
1: Yeah, we've got a couple of wildcards. one in World Supersport and one in World Superbike, respectively. In World Supersport, we've got uh, number two in Australia last year, Tommy Taparas, who's jumped ship from Kawasaki to uh, Yamaha. And he's got Yamaha support, so he'll be flying the flag. He finished 14th last year in his wildcard effort with the Cube Race in Kawasaki. Uh, so he'll be only for top ten. Well, I know he's only for top ten. He's told me that. And then in the wild card in the Australian, uh, the World Superbike Championship, we've got the current Australian Superbike champion Troy Hertaus, who's getting on board. Well, they told me that the um, Penride Honda is going to be a fully spec uh, Superbike. So. He'll be flying the flag there. And as well, they'll be competing in the uh, domestic championships. So they get the heaps of track time this weekend. And as said said to Troy, on his day he's got every chance of being on a podium. His biggest discrepancy and biggest disadvantage is the fact that he's on a Honda. And that taking nothing away from the Honda, but as we know, it hasn't been up there in world superbike spec for a number of years, and it's up to them to build a bike, even though he's won... Well, he's the only guy in the world that's won a couple of domestic championships for the Honda in recent times too, so... He's flying the flag there, and uh, I'd expect him to at least get a top ten finish in one of the races, and be, hopefully a top five.
0: Wouldn't that be fantastic? Aussies have won 50% of the races down at Phillip Island in the World Superbike since they started, and the last time was a double win for Troy Bayliss. Back in 2008, Braxy, it's been a long time between drinks.
1: Yeah, well, I think he might... Uh come back and do a bit now that he's numbs him on 50 years old. He said to me the other week, he said, I've wasted three years of my life being in (laughs) retirement. I should have been doing this all the time. And he was second fastest and the most consistently fastest at the test on his old Dunya 1198 Ducati. And I wouldn't be surprised if he um, plants the flag on uh, come Sunday afternoon with at least one win over the weekend. And he's my dark horse for the Australian Championship this year.
0: Well, let's see what happens, mate. It's going to be an amazing weekend, as it always is, the World Superbikes down at Phillip Island. It's as good if you've been to a MotoGP event, but you haven't been to the Superbikes, you're not going to miss much of the no. atmosphere. It's, they're basically identical weekends, well, aren't
1: they? Well, except all punters get free access to the paddock. And after talking yep, to Michael true. Hill, who's in charge of the paddock show this year, uh, they've got karaoke contests for the riders. You're sending your favourite song or your song that you want them to do karaoke to. Uh, there's a lot of uh, interaction. And also, uh, the public are uh, permitted to get to Park Ferme, which is at the end of the race where all the, the top three uh, place getters come in and get the congratulations to their team. They can stand there underneath the podium. So, there's a lot more interaction, and the, the fans can get a lot more up close and personal to. Uh, the World Superbike boys compared to the GP boys. And another thing that you've got to bear in mind too this weekend, which I'm looking forward to, uh, salivating, as a matter of fact... Uh is the fact that it's the first round of the Australian Superbike yes. Championship for 2019 too and uh, after the off-season testing we saw there a couple of weeks ago at the official test and how close the competition was at the end of the season last year, we are absolutely in for a ball terror of the year, pardon my French, but I reckon it's going to be a cracker of a year for the Australian Championships. We've got Three races for the Australian Superbikes, three races for the Australian Supersports and three races for the up-and-coming axe murderers in the uh, supersport 300 category, which will be uh, could eclipse, well, for action and intensity, could eclipse all the races. Even though they might not have the speed, they've certainly got the competition.
0: Yeah, they certainly have, Braxy. And I look forward to catching up with you next Monday, mate, when we wrap it all up and find out who were the big winners and possibly even the big losers out of a big weekend at Phillip Island. Always great to have you and- on, mate. We'll do it again next week. No worries, mate. All the best. Mark Brax joining us here on the grid.
2: When you were younger, did you have well,
0: what an amazing year it was for Anton Di Pasquale back in 2018. His first year in supercars and some fantastic results for him. And of course, he's powering it up at the moment with a team that is going in the right direction that being Erebus Motorsport let's have a listen to Anton Di Pasquale talking about year two for him in the supercars just a chat Anton Di Pasquale second year supercars how do you feel? yeah good um, it's obviously good once you get
3: this launch out of the way that means we're testing tomorrow so we're really getting stuck in and the uh, first time back in the car so it's quite exciting.
0: Take us through 2018 for yourself it was an exciting year there were some really great highs and I suppose consistency at the end of the day was is the thing that you just really need to find isn't
3: it? Yeah there's plenty of highs obviously plenty of lows too and always your know, first year you never go if you have a consistent smooth run then you know it's very rare so um, we had a fast car, had a lot of qualifying speeds, so probably not the race results we needed, so we'll work on that this year. Um, and then even towards the end of last year, we're sort of starting to get that sort of in check. So um, yeah, there's a lot of work to do and it uh, should be good.
0: We spoke about it last year, I think, when I had a chat to you in regards to the team around you and the team's very much still learning as well, but it seemed like 2018 for them was very much a consolidation year and it looks like they've got it all right now and the excitement for 2019 must be pretty big.
3: Yeah, it's massive. Um, We've got the the same team across both sides of the garage, so that unity um, has to be good, so all the same engineering staff and mechanics and things like that, so um, we can really work together and take a step forward and sort of work on what we didn't do too well last year and sort of concentrate on that and uh, hopefully go better this year round.
0: I I'm going to put a weird analogy to you, but I want to hear your thoughts. For a free young footballer coming into a, his first senior game, his first year of senior footy. The older blokes seem to rough him up a bit. You know, there's a lot more tackling, and they're a lot more hard on them. Is that the same in, in supercars? Do the older blokes sort of try and take advantage of the younger blokes in regards to things that they do on the track? Um,
3: I don't think there's so much take advantage. You know, it's like if you're if you're fast and you know you're going with it, it's all good. If you're if you're in the way, I think they. Uh, they'll let you know which sort of works both ways so um you know i have i didn't have any instances where I, you know anyone was trying to bully me or anything like so it seemed to be all right
0: oh and i wasn't talking about bullying off the track more so just you know, yeah on, on, on consistent on, bumping and all on that the track stuff. yeah
3: and there wasn't too much of it everyone seems to have pretty good respect but like i said if you're in if you're in the way they'll let you know which is fair enough
0: what about your respect for the category mate did it lift and raise a level after being in it for a year
3: uh, yeah, I always had a massive respect for what the guys do. Um, you know, especially a few of them looked up to for a long time. So to be a part of that, um, racing with all those dudes, and obviously everyone else in the category too, it's a, it's such a high level of competitiveness. So once you're in there you really find out what it is you can obviously guess and sort of estimate what it'll be like before you get there but once you get there Adelaide first time then you really have to you know, you know you're in for and, and work from it. There's
0: a lot of kids that'll be looking up to you now as a young guy that's come into the academy and thinking, you know I'd like to be like him. Tell us what it's like to be a, a Virgin Australia supercar driver. Is it living the dream? Is it as glamorous as we probably all think on the other side of the fence or is it just bloody tough work?
3: Um, there's plenty of tough work, like, um, obviously having some guys to look up to is really good, I, I do a fair bit of stuff out of Norwell, training some young guys too with Paul, so um, to be putting back in that way is, is is quite rewarding for me, and then other than that, obviously all the media stuff that we do, and obviously on track's the coolest thing that we do, and that's the best part, but there's a lot of stuff to make that possible, the sponsors and things, so, and then when I've got spare time there, I usually go and help out on the farm, so there's a lot of stuff going on, but... Overall, I think we're living the dream. Sort of, I wouldn't swap it for any other job. Wishing you all the best for 2019. Thanks, mate. Cheers.
0: Had a fantastic couple of years in Porsche Carrera Cup here in Australia. Made his way back into supercars last year after a... Uh, A failed stint, I suppose we can definitely say, at Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport. Andre Heimgartner has secured his ride with Nissan Cali Racing. I should say with Cali Racing now, not with Nissan anymore. With Cali Racing for 2019 at the very last minute. We caught up with Andre at the launch last week. Andre Heimgartner, a late sign-up to the Nissan team. Fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, it's good
4: to be back and back with the same engineer and same car and all that sort of stuff. So it's um, good to have some
0: continuity. Take us through the last couple of months, has it been tough for you personally? Um, a little bit, yeah,
4: obviously not, not having that certainty. It's sort of something we um, hadn't lined up for a while, it was just um, took a while to pull the trigger and um, for everyone to get their heads around the, the situation, but um, you know what it's like, everything's last minute, and, yeah. um, but it's good to, good to get it done and really thankful to Todd and uh, Rick and the whole team.
0: 2009 is going to be an interesting year for Kelly Racing. Of course, you don't have that factory backing in Nissan anymore. Does that make it a little bit more difficult?
4: Um, not, not at all. I, I suppose, from a um, commercial point of view, it sort of does for the team, just not having that backing. But um, as far as the car goes and driving it, it, it's, um, it doesn't make much difference. We're still pushing on. We've still got plenty of developments come in with the Aero. Um, engine stuff and stuff like that so nothing really changes from my point of view it's um, still the same level of equipment still the same level of development uh, just no Nissan brand.
0: 2018 was an interesting year for you there were some really good results and there were some really poor results and a fair few in between how do you improve that consistency in 2019?
4: Yeah we managed to get some good consistency at the end of the year I think my last three races were all in the top 10 and I was in the last two top 10 shootouts which was really good to have that consistency um, so it's just sort of trying to carry on from there and just try to unlock some of the speed which we managed to do and it was just last year it was too inconsistent going from round to round. Some rounds you know at Perth I'd qualified fourth and then the next round you know you're 15th or 16th and you're sort of struggling so it's just about trying to unlock that speed and understand um, and what, it, what it needs.
0: Uh, you, this is the second reincarnation of course for you in Supercars, you had the uh, the stint with Lucas Dumbbell Motorsport, have you found this time around to be a bit more tough in regards to the, the competition and the like or did you have a feeling that it was maybe similar to before but just different? Um,
4: no, well when I first came in, obviously being a rookie and stuff um, and then being at Lucas Dunbaros it was very difficult to try and get results. and. Um, trying to stand out but um, luckily coming back this time I'm a much better driver from the overseas stuff I did in in Porsche and stuff um, and you know I feel like I'm a lot stronger and you know last year I think proved that so for me it's um, it's not so much that it's tougher or anything It's um, but now I have a, a solid team around me in Kelly Racing and um, you know that one message to succeed which is really refreshing and um, that makes it a bit easier for me because I just have to worry about driving the car the best I can and um, but, yeah, to answer your question, that's not. That's almost
0: easier now because I'm in a better car. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt, mate, we all know you can drive. Let's show the whole world that you can do it, mate. Good luck for 2019. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. There is no bigger name in Australian motorsport at the moment than Craig Lowndes. He's done everything Bathurst win, championship wins, and now he gets to commentate on his sport as part of the New Look Fox Sports team. We caught up with Craig Lowndes for a chat about his thoughts on 2019, new Fox Sports commentator Craig Lowndes. Oh, gee whiz, you're resplendent in the new attire,
5: mate. Yeah, look, I think it's a little bit different. First day of school, and uh, a little bit different in a sense of the feel being on this side of the fence and seeing all the drivers line up, and uh, which is fantastic. New liveries, new cars, and uh, new drivers. You have to wear a race suit on race day. I don't know, yet. We're actually doing a bit of a planning uh, session the next couple of days at Fox and uh, actually seeing what my role is and where I've where I got to be, what I'm going to say and, and what I've got to talk about, because that's obviously a new role for me, yeah. something different. Uh, I know what I'm, I know about the industry, so it's not a problem talking about sure. it. It's just a matter of what I need to talk about.
0: Three months into the full-time retirement, uh, any regrets? Do you look back and think,
5: oh, until I do the right thing? Yeah, no, I don't have no regrets. I think I did the right thing. I uh, have been more busy now than I have when I was a full-time driver, so maybe that was a, probably a bit of a negative, but uh, other than that, no, I think it's, it's a good time. You know, Again, new Mustangs coming out, which obviously everyone's keen to see how that's going to perform. New drivers, young drivers coming up, you know, which is great. You know, the, the, the category needs to keep evolving. Drivers also. You know, I'm the I'm co-driver with Jamie later in the year, which is going to be something that I'm going to keep my teeth into. But as a full-time commitment, it's, it's for me, it's the right time to step back have a look at this world and see what the outside of race car looks like.
0: That's an amazing amount of experience in that truck over those three endurance races. Yourself, Garth Tander, Jamie Winkup and Shane Van Gisburg. And that is an amazing driver on it.
5: Well, it is. And I think that it, it was a bit of a shock, I think, to all of us about Garth. You know, you know, he, we had a bit of a banter late, late last year in Newcastle. He was going to be the next oldest driver on the field, and uh, I took—I was that. And then, of course, with his uh, departure, it really, it shook up, well, it, it surprised me. And then, of course, uh, you know, the great thing for Shane is it then allowed Roland to go and do a deal with Garth to pair him up, which is great for, for Shane because Shane, for his height, he struggled with co-drivers and, uh, you know, Garth's same height, a little bit skinnier, but, you know, they'll work yeah. that side of it out. But, yeah, it's, it's great to have... Two strong cars filled with, you know, experienced drivers. We'll go to Bathurst, Gold Coast, and Sandown, which is obviously a change um, with with hopefully the the, the best combination we can and, uh, you know, get a one-two up there.
0: Being a part of 2018, it looks like such an exciting year from over the fence. What was it like inside it?
5: Oh, yeah, it was amazing. The start of the season was obviously always going to be a busy time and we, we go to the streets of Adelaide very soon in the same way. And, uh, you know, as Scotty McLaughlin said, you know, everyone starts on zero again and, and they've got to start building points, which is great. That's what the year's all about. But, uh, yeah, last year was really hectic, especially when we made our announcement at the end of, or early in the season. So the run home to Newcastle was great, obviously, to have the support, the crowd, and, uh, and the send-off, to be honest. At Newcastle, it blew me away because I knew about uh, some things that were going on behind the scenes. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't sort of appreciate or, 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 or know at the time Uh, the race suit then the livery of the car everything else like that was really special for the team to be able to do that for me Um, and I said the crowd just to walk down pit lane for that final time as a race driver full-time race driver to see even Roger Penske at the end of it you know he shook my hand and he said well done on a great career and you know he's very well uh, in tune with what goes goes on down here and uh, and who's who in the zoo and 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 what people do so it was nice to have that and uh, you know finish the season off fourth in the championship was great. The twelve hour.
0: Take us through your experience there. What an amazing day that was.
5: Well, it was. I think that's uh, we all underestimated uh, how hot it was inside the Mercedes car. You know, first time the three of us are all being yeah. in, a, in a car yeah. and campaigning a car. It was amazing. We did struggle with with a bit of the car setup. We did struggle with brakes, but you know, we did have you know we did the best we could to see uh, you know all three of us struggling with the heat, which we normally don't do that or have that. So that was really a bit of a surprise for us. But to see Shane uh, you know get out of the car at the end of it, he, you know, he gave it his all. Almost on the podium, we were fourth in the end. And, and, and to be honest, we were actually—we've probably for the first time been as happy to finish fourth as we have ever been finishing first. Yeah. Um, just the problems we, we encountered over the course of the week. You know, it, you know we were all up against European drivers, teams. You know, the, the, we knew the Nissan and the um, uh, the Bentley was were superior in straight line speed. We knew our car had good dominance across the top. So it. it the good thing about the GT cars in the category is that cars have got strengths and weaknesses in different ways. So it really showcased how good the cars in the category is.
0: So, based on that heat, we hear that supercars are looking at the possibility of a summer series from that driver Bathurst. Does that give you a thought that maybe it may
5: not work? Uh, look, I think that uh, it's on the drawing boards with the summer series calendar. I don't know, I haven't really understood it enough to really give you a full opinion, but no, the heat in the cars and the supercars are very different to what yeah, the heat was in the GTs. Open. These have got more more ventilation, yeah. uh, obviously the cool suit system that works really well. Um, the GT cars are completely sealed. Uh, the Mercedes doesn't have an aircon. Uh, other cars do, the Audi, uh, the McLaren, I think the Bentley did as well. So. You know whether GT world goes into that side of it in in sense of the air conditioning of the cabin of the car. Uh, we'll wait and see, but yeah, you know, the supercar is not an issue. We can still run up in Darwin, you know, in 30 34 degree days, and and you know the insulation and what we've done as as a category uh, underneath the cars, inside the cars, and that it, it does help the drivers.
0: Final one for you, mate. The Mustang. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. it before. Uh, it's an exciting looking car.
5: Well, it is. It's a great looking car. Obviously. Uh, you, you can never tell with the early stages, with, with the prototypes and everything else. But now seeing a car live, uh, with, you know, with all the liveries on it, and, and some great new liveries, which has yeah. been fantastic. Um, but yeah, look, I'm like everyone else, interested to see how it performs on track. You know, they're going to Phillip Island, a very fast, flowing nature track. It's going to be great to be able to get their head around the aerodynamics. Mechanically, it's all the same, so that you know, should be that should be a drama. But uh, but the aerodynamics make a big difference on these cars, and I think that they're going to one of the best tracks to be able to utilise that, not only to, to get what the car likes, but also what the car doesn't like, rake. More wing, less wing. How, how the drivers need to get it to work. That's going to be the interesting thing. It's you know, the look of the car is very different, being a two door instead of yeah. a four door. Um, you see more of the bar work through the side protrusion of the, of the window. But but other than that, it, it's you know it's going to be exciting times.
0: Did you mention more wing? I don't know if you want any more rear wing in that <laughs> thing. That it's huge. No,
5: it is a massive rear wing. It's uh, the it, look. It, it obviously balances out the car. Yeah. It it, it works for their aero and their numbers. Uh, and again, when you look at the Nissan. It, it's got a you know quite a wing that hangs off the back of it. You know, same with the Commodore. Now it, it's for me, it's going to be interesting in twofold. How, how effective it is, but how, how effective it is when you're following it. Uh, we know that the Nissan following yeah. the Nissan, that disturbed air behind it, really affects you uh, with aero wash, Whether the Falcon has that or the Mustang, sorry, um, has that, I'm not sure. Wait to um,
0: see. Mate, that's the sort of insight that we're really looking forward to in 2019 on Fox Sports. Congratulations on the new career ahead and wish you all the best.
5: Yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward to it.
0: I'm sure by his standards, 2018 just didn't live up to what Jamie Winkup would like to see in a supercar season. The potential for that to change in 2019 is huge, but the competition will be just as good, if not better, with some changes to the laws surrounding the cars and the way they're set up and the like. Let's have a listen to how Jamie Winkup thinks his 2019 might pan out. And is there another championship around the corner? Well, Jamie Winkup joins us. Jamie, first of all, congratulations on 2018. You you fought it out to the end, and what was a, in yours, I suppose, for you, a, a tough year?
6: Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was the first time I finished outside the top two since 2006, but I was third, close, you know, not far behind uh, the two boys in front, my teammate, and uh, and the eventual winner, Scotty McLaughlin. So, all in all, not, not a bad year, you know. we the, the Peter Brock Trophy was at our workshop. We on the season of endurance through Lousy as well, shame was very very close, and I want to sand down Townsville. We had some great victories, you know. We had had a great year, yeah. but not quite uh, exactly what we wanted. So this year, we want to step up. And how to do that? Uh, just make mainly less errors, you know. We, we were quick enough; we just made too many errors.
0: Losing Lousy from the team brings it back to a two-car operation. That's great in some areas, but it's yeah. also. Weird in other areas too, because I'm sure a guy like Lowndes brings so much information to the table yep. at debrief.
6: Yeah, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a, a gain, you know. Yes, we don't have as much information coming, a third set of information, but the team runs so much simpler when you just focus on two cars. We, we, we did it for years um, before we went to a three-car team, um, and yeah, I, I just think to focus back on two cars is it's a, it's a good one, and uh, looking forward to it this year.
0: got a few years in this game now. What excites you to come back for another year and just keep coming back?
6: Well, it's I'm a fairly simple person, you know. I might look complicated from the outside, but I'm pretty simple. I just love taking the car to the track and racing my mates and seeing if we can get to the finish line first. So it's the same concept that why I love go-kart racing back in when I started back in 1993. Um, still the same concept. So there's plenty to do, plenty of uh, plenty of tuning ability to do on the cars, which we're which we're looking forward to. Um, so we'll keep developing, and no doubt the Ford guys are going to throw over the others this year with their with their new toy in the Mustang. We'll um, we're, we're working pretty hard
0: to make improve our car as well. One tuning ability you have lost though is obviously in the suspension area. Your thoughts on that change?
6: Uh, yeah, I the, the category made the change. I don't think it's a good one. I, don't, I don't think it was a bit unnecessary. They they put it down to cost saving, but it's not going to cost. It's not going to save any costs at all. Um, but it is what it is. Same for everyone. We'll um, we'll tune our car around Linear Springs.
0: 2019, as you mentioned, the Mustang comes in. We've got a couple of new competitors. Uh, the competition seems to rise again. We've got a, a night race in Perth. We've got Bathurst as the first race of the Enduros.
6: Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> How much are you looking forward to 2019?
6: I, I, as you say there's plenty of changes there and um keeping it fresh keeping it changed up is a uh, is certainly a good thing so i think they've done a great job with the calendar you know trying to it's a huge job trying to get the calendar right making sure that we race at the right place at the right time and and uh not clash with any other major sporting events over the year not clashing with easter weekend and father's day and things like that so um i think they've done a great job it means bathurst is up first um Apart for myself and Loungey who have been there many many years uh, and, and just did the twelve hour, um, it shouldn't be too much of a drama.
0: Shane was talking about the fact that he gets to hand over the car at Bathurst and the first of the enduro's to a guy with so much experience in Garth Tander. Yeah. Two is there's no much more experience than Craig Lowndes and you get to do that.
6: Yeah exactly. No, we've got I feel we've got a very, very good driver lineup, um especially for the endurance season season of endurance. So uh, no excuses mate, no excuses. We've uh, we've got some great people. We got, we're an engineering business. We, we go racing. and looking forward to the challenges that uh, the other teams throw at us and looking forward to trying to uh, finish the year at least, making sure we're the most competitive team.
0: And we're looking forward to you punching hard, mate, and getting a good year behind you. All the best. I'll,
6: I'll have a crack. Don't worry about that. Thank you. Thanks, Shane. That word
0: because you know you can't touch this. You can't touch this. Scott McLaughlin, what an amazing 2018. It was just the fight to the death, wasn't it, with Shane Van Gisbergen for the championship. He got up there in the end and now we'll look to replicate that in 2019. It's going to be tough, though, with, of course, the new Mustang coming into play for Scott. Let's have a listen to what Scott thinks about his 2019 and what he thinks about his brand-new drive.
2: Thoughts on it. Hi, ah, it's exciting. It's um, you know, it's uh, for me. I'm, I'm. It's nice to see it with the proper colours on it. I think it looks a lot better than it did with the camo on it and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it's just excited to just get on with it. It means it's getting close to round one and and driving the car for the first time. You think it looks good? Yeah, I love it. I think it's obviously the the rear wing's a big talking point between a lot of people. But once you've, I've seen it with the sticker point uh, stickers on it, it looks really cool and um, I reckon it looks tough. How did it show up day? How did it actually feel? Uh, it was yeah, it was very uh, similar to what I driven. We didn't really have any issues. We just went uh, along our business, and and uh, yeah, I was pretty happy with it at the end of the end of the day. But it's hard to get a massive read on those days. I think Phillip Island will be a good feeling for us. Um, but the best thing for me was I sort of rolled out there, and I you know I didn't really feel any different in some ways. You know, I just felt like it's a very similar balance. Um, yeah, and we can refine it in different areas, which I think they've done. Um, hopefully it works out for us. Does
7: it look any different when you're in the car with that sort of swoopy nose or something like that? Does no, it...
2: you can't even notice that. The only thing, oh, I guess in some ways, the only thing you notice is there's no scoop anymore. Um, but, yeah, if I was basically thrown in, um, like in the car, blindfolded, like at the start when we're testing, I, I, the only reason I'd know would be the mirrors. The mirrors are the only giveaway in some ways. Um, but uh, apart from that, sitting in the car, the surrounding is all very similar. On the
3: stage. Guess it might take you a little bit of adjustment phase. How yep. long do you reckon that's going to be one of the biggest issues,
2: do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's just understanding what the car does differently to what we had. Um, there's, and there's also, you know, technical things that have been changed in supercars over the off-season that everyone's going to have to get used to. So along with learning a new aero package, but also learning, um, you know, different suspension, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for everyone. So, look, I'm, um, you know, I'm quietly confident that, you know, we'll get on top of it sooner rather than later, but I think, um, We've got to be realistic about a few things and just work hard uh, behind the scenes to make sure, you know, we're on top of it. Yeah, like I said, sooner rather than later.
3: Is it unrealistic that you can win in Adelaide? Is that unrealistic? Oh,
2: I'm going there wanting to win, yeah. um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's uh, unrealistic not to win. But you know, we go there, you know, trying to make the best of the situation we have. Um, if we come out of Phillip Island, we feel comfortable and it feels all similar. I go to Adelaide with confidence that yeah, it, it, we we could have a good good shot, and we've been fast over the years, so um yeah i, th- I think we're, we're you know it, it won't know officially till fr- uh, thursday
0: i presume the plan for thursday is to give it everything you've got and go as yeah. hard as you can because if you want something to go wrong yeah. thursday's better than adelaide
2: well and Phillip Island is a great test track for that. It's got, you know, long sweeping corners, long straights. It's got, um, you know, tight hairpins as well, big braking. So it's got everything that we sort of need. And it was nice that Supercars changed the the schedule to to help with that. So um, the test day there for the first time ever is very cool, um, which I'm excited for. And, yeah, we'll soon see if we've got any dramas, but confident that we should be all pretty good.
7: Do you feel any different going into the season as the reigning champion? I mean, it's easy to say oh, it doesn't
2: really matter, but it does. Yeah, I guess in some way, when you hear the reigning champion, it is different. But I think the best thing I did last year was just—I just, I'm saying all the time—but I focus on myself and I don't worry about anyone. I can't control whether they're fast or whatever. I just go and do the best job I can. And you know, everyone starts in zero points. She's 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 a reset, and um, you know, the best best driver will win in the end.
7: Do you think that uh, twin spring to linear is actually going to make a big difference? Does it have the potential to shake up the running order, or is everyone just going to get on
2: with it and it's not going to? We're still going to see the same guys going quick. Yeah, it's a it's a tough question. I, I think you'll like some of the the top teams. I think will still get on board with it pretty quickly. Um, we we've ran linear, you know, across the other years as well. It was just a couple of races that we would run twin spring, and yeah, I'm pretty confident that we should be you know okay with all that sort of stuff. Um, but like I said, you know. You, you you can think one thing, but sometimes when you get on track, it does the complete opposite. So really, until we hit the road, it's not it's it's it's, it's a guessing game at the moment.
7: So even last year, you ran linear at
2: some rounds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep.
3: I'll ask you about the feel generally. What's caught your
2: eye in terms of driver changes or, or different in, in the car in twenty nineteen? Oh, like um, oh, look, the twin spring linear stuff is is, is a big thing. Um, I think that's a uh, like it's a it's a it's a big. Uh, I guess in some ways a leveler, in some, in some ways, you know, like the twin spring was expensive to run and, and and develop and stuff like that, so it's, you know, I can understand why they've done it and, and it's definitely for smaller teams, one car teams and all that sort of stuff, it's helped. Um, but it'll be interesting, I think that's, for me, that, that's probably the biggest hype now, yeah, and what I'm going to have to get used to as a driver because, you know, I traditionally, I, I did like a, a, tw- a twin spring feeling car. Um, but. Like I said, we did run linear in the past and it worked better as well, but it's just a matter of just getting used to it. And what about
3: driver changes, team changes, people in different cars?
2: Anything you cool oh, Uh I don't know. I'm interested to see how Holdsworth goes at, at Tickford. I think that's a good opportunity and with the new Mustang and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think that's all, all pretty exciting. Obviously, the the Enduros are going to be very different. I think for me, the starting Bathurst first is going to be fairly weird. We're talking about in the car on the way here. It's just... Not having a warm-up is is quite interesting um and something that we've been used to even when i was a kid growing up i'd watch the queensland 500 or the Sandown 500 and you know it's now not to have a 500 before the thousands a bit weird but it is what it is and we'll just get get on with it to
6: have alex go up against the likes of garth tander and michael caruso even those sort of blokes just straight off the back Craig lounge it's going to be hard do you think he's he's up
2: to it oh, i think he's up to it absolutely he's shown in the past he's at least top three, top two best co-driver out there, he um, he's always comes out, no matter how many laps he's done, He's done, he's gone fast, um, yeah, I think if we get the car right for him and make sure it's fast before we get there, I think he'll be no problem and he, he'll be fine, he had a lot of bad luck, you know, and, and at the start of the season that really put him out of it and then, like he said, he was sort of the wingman towards the end there just because we, we needed him as much as, you know, to, to, to win the championship, which he was and that's the great thing about him, he's a great team player and We've just um, we've got a good good camaraderie there, so I think it'll, it'll be fine. Get on with it, and we'll, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> is,
7: there any, is there any sort of like Triple Eight um, are running one less car out of their own workshop, but they've got these little technical alliances with Team 18 and with Techno, Techno yeah. and with um, Matt Stone, all that sort of stuff, and then you guys are sort of just on your own. Will you work a bit with Tickford or do you just go, no, nah, we're going to do our own thing and let Triple
2: Eight do whatever they want to do? I think, you know, Tickford were behind the scenes as well with the, the Mustang design and a few things. I'm not exactly sure the details, but, um, you know, I think, to be honest, I think we'll just do our own thing. I think we just, um, we, me and Fabs work together well as a team. The engineers work really well together and we've got a good force there to, you know, build off each other. Um, they can have all those technical partnerships which they've had for a number of years. Um, But we've still been able to go up against them pretty well and be okay. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident in the ability of our teams that we should be all right.
0: Hope you enjoyed the program this week. Of course, it is on the grid, powered by theracetalk.com. We look forward to bringing you our Adelaide preview next week. Qualsy will be back on. We'll have a chat about that and try and catch up with a couple more drivers in the lead-up to what promises to be a spectacular start to the 2018 Virgin Australia supercar season. Tony Shibeki signing off. We'll catch you again next week.